I was at Highmark Stadium on Friday night for the Blue Red scrimmage, and I'm sharing my biggest takeaways today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. want to thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, and a big welcome and shout-out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, I appreciate y'all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode of Locked On Bills is brought to you by eBay Motors. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. So for the parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit, ebaymotors.com. Let's ride eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. Well, folks, the Buffalo Bills had a scrimmage, if you want to call it that. I'd just say it was a training camp practice at Highmark Stadium on Friday night in front of 35, 40,000 people. And I happen to be one of those people, and I'm going to share my biggest takeaways from the event on Friday night. And so the way that we're going to have this conversation today is we'll start off with my impressions of the offense, then we'll get into my impressions of the defense, and then to close out the podcast in segment three, I've got some Buffalo food takes that I want to share. I've spent a lot of time this week with the Buffalo Bills. I've spent a lot of time this week with family, but I've also spent a lot of time this week sampling the food scene from around here. And I've been doing this for about three years where I've really wanted to make sure I'm trying a lot of the food out here. And I have some hot takes for you in the final segment today. So make sure you stick around to the end for all of that. And one last time, as you know, as Aunt Karen walks in here, she she's walking in. We're live from Aunt Karen's apartment in the kitchen once again. A big shout out to Aunt Karen for hosting us this week. And uh, it's been it's been awesome, and um, she's allowed me to pretty much take over her kitchen, and uh, it's it's awesome. So big shout-out to Aunt Karen for her hospitality and being an awesome host this week. All right, let's talk about this Buffalo Bills offense and what I saw on Friday night. Friday night, And I guess we got to start with one of the biggest storylines from the practice, Josh Allen coming out in a blue helmet. A lot of opinions out there. I saw him on social media. A lot of people – liked it a lot of people didn't like it and so I figured you got to start off with sharing my opinion on the blue helmet and I'm not a fan I think it's a good looking helmet just by itself put it on the shelf it looks nice good colors all that type of stuff but doesn't really go well with the uniform in my opinion and I couldn't imagine any of the uniform iterations whether it's the red top or the blue top it looking good it might look best with the white top but I say you just leave it on the shelf. And, uh, you know, it's always fun to see Josh come out. Last year it was the red helmet with the two blue stripes on it. This year it's the blue helmet. We'll see what he has in store for next year. But um, I would say that I'm not a fan of the blue helmet. At least 
as part of the actual uniform kit. If you want to have one on the shelf, I think it looks cool, but that's where I'd leave it. All right, now as for Josh Allen and the way he practiced, I thought Josh Allen had a good practice. And it's a practice that I would describe as a very buttoned-up practice, which is a little surprising, but also maybe not surprising. There was 40,000 people there. And Sean McDermott played things pretty close to the vest. A lot of inside handoff run sessions, some goal line sessions, some short yardage sessions. You know, Josh didn't even have a ton of reps out there. You can tell that there was a calculated approach to what Josh or to what Sean McDermott was willing to uh, put on display in front of the fans on Friday night. So it was a pretty buttoned up practice. But Josh Allen, I thought, played well especially earlier in the team sessions. He made some good throws, especially down the field, but unfortunately there were some drops that kind of got in the way of those plays really happening. Uh, the three drops that really stood out was to Dawson Knox, to Dalton Kincaid, and Gabe Davis. All three of those guys had a drop um, down the field on good throws from Josh Allen. But I will say, I think that's the first drop from any of them that I saw in the four practices that I was at this week. And so Certainly not any type of trend that's of a concern, but I think those drops kind of took away from some of the fireworks that could have happened offensively on Friday night when Josh was on the field. Uh, Kincaid's drop, it was it's tough. I, I, I'm not really sure if it was Kincaid let, read the leverage one way, Josh read it another way, but it hit him on the hands. He should catch the football uh Gabe's was over the middle of the field that was probably the easiest catch that could have been made but he didn't finish the catch and then Dawson Knox it was an over the shoulder throw that just kind of went through his hand so three drops from three important playmakers in this offense but again not a trend that we saw throughout the course of the week and it's probably the first drop that I can remember from any one of those three guys so I thought Josh was good in those moments uh he was really good in the red zone reps uh they did some short red zone uh, I mean, kind of like 10-yard line, 5-yard line, and in. And it, I think he was 3 of 3 on the three reps that he had in terms of throws. Uh, the first one was a touchdown pass to Trent Shurfield. Uh, good design by Ken Dorsey, kind of playing him attached and tight to the formation. A delayed release, easy wide-open throw uh, to Josh Allen's left. Then you had a touchdown pass to Stephon Diggs. This was one of my favorite throws of the day. Outbreaking pattern. Uh, Taylor Rapp was close in coverage, but... Uh, good route and better throw probably from Josh Allen that just put it away from Taylor Rapp and into Stefan Diggs' hands kind of right up against the sideline, a clean touchdown reception, a good throw there. And then another good design by Ken Dorsey with how he was able to uh, sell a run and then leak out Khalil Shakir. And Josh put really good touch on the throw and Shakir was able to catch it and run into the end zone. So three really nice touchdown passes in the low red zone from Josh Allen. Now, I liked what I saw from Josh Allen. I did not like what I saw from the other Bills quarterbacks. And I, I would like to tell you that I think I'm officially concerned about the backup quarterbacks on this roster. I've monitored it, monitored the quarterbacks throughout the course of the week, but I wanted to really gain the full sample size to comment on what I've seen from Kyle Allen and Matt, Matt Barkley. But I'll tell you what, they both struggled all week long and that continued on Friday night. And I think those struggles were expected uh, to some degree with Kyle Allen being mindful of it being a new team for him. It's a new offense, right? It's his first season with Ken Dorsey with the Buffalo Bills, and he's working with backups, right? Second and third stringers. So there's some tough 
situations for him to work through. There's some context there that matters, but there hasn't been a moment this week where I thought he had any sort of rhythm. On Friday night, taking snaps from under center was a complete disaster. A couple of fumbles, uh, two fumbles and two other snaps that were just mishandled, and he kind of bobbled the ball, and it was a situation where it threw off the entire rhythm of the play. And so the offense just never looked decent at all with Kyle Allen out there. He just never looked comfortable. And, you know, he's one-hopping throws. They're not accurate. It's just – it doesn't look good. I'm, I've got to be honest with you. It doesn't look good. And I guess I'd be honest and tell you that I think Matt Barkley's been better this week. And Matt Barkley even got some second-team reps during the scrimmage on Friday night. And he's actually made way better throws than Kyle Allen. He's been willing to lace a couple of nice throws over the middle of the field that we saw throughout the course of practice this week. And he had a nice one on Friday night as well. But he's uncomfortable too. And I think the best way that I can describe Matt Barkley's lack of comfort is in the opening session of practice, it was like 25%, 30% speed, just kind of walking through some stuff. And Matt Barkley's taking checkdowns. Matt Barkley's throwing the ball away. He's scrambling in a situation where it's just walkthrough. I just don't feel like he has any comfort, and they're both physically limited quarterbacks. And so I've come through this week with a lot of concern about the depth at quarterback on this roster behind Josh Allen. And so simply put, Josh Allen's current active streak of the most consecutive games in the NFL started by a quarterback has to continue for this season because I don't have a lot of confidence in these guys to come in and do what they need to do to keep this offense on schedule. A couple other notes here on the offense. I want to bring up the running backs. The the first full speed uh, team session, 11 on 11, opened with an explosive run from James Cook. Um, The very first play, it was to the left. I I think it would have been like a 98-yard touchdown run if the play would have all the way played out. Um, of course, he he got through the entire defense, and then the whistle blew, and and James kind of slowed down, and Micah Hyde was able to get an angle on him. But I think if that was a real game situation, it would have been a 98-yard touchdown run from James Cook. So it's good offense, but also bad defense at the same time. Um, so James Cook had that big play. But you know this was a practice where you saw a lot of short yardage runs, uh, whether it was goal line or third and one type situations. And in those situations, you saw exclusively Damian Harris and Latavius Murray. And I thought both of those backs look strong, especially uh, Latavius Murray. I mean, that guy's a load. He's 230 pounds, and he gets it going, and he moves piles. And I really have a good feel for him in short yardage, and Damian Harris was the same way. And so that's one of the things that I really like about this backfield is I feel like the Bills do have those short yardage guys that can really fight for those tough yards and maybe take some of that away from Josh Allen, where in the past you were kind of hopeful that that could be Zach Moss. It never really happened. Devin Singletary showed good growth in that capacity last year, but he's no longer around. You don't really love the idea of James Cook in those situations. It's nice to have Damian Harris and Latavius Murray to do that, and you saw them perform well in short yardage carries on Friday night. One other random note here for the offense is I mentioned that they were working short yardage and goal line, and if you remember those formations in the past over the last few seasons, the Bills have used a jumbo tight end, basically a sixth offensive lineman that would step in and and serve as a tight end. Last year, if you recall, it was Bobby Hart. Um, We've seen Tommy Doyle fill that role. 
Well, the first opportunity that I've seen this year to see a player do that with the first team, it was David Questenberry. And so maybe David Questenberry is going to provide some value to this team, not only as a backup offensive lineman, but as the guy that comes in and does the jumbo tight end stuff when they want that extra offensive lineman on the field. All right, I want to talk about the defense and then, of course, those food takes here in just a moment. But I need to tell you about underdog fantasy, folks. August is here, and you know what that means. It's the official start of fantasy football drafting month. So get championship ready for your home league by trying out best ball on underdog fantasy. All you do is one live snake draft, no waivers, no trades, and then underdog sets your best lineup every week. So try it out with underdogs best ball mania tournament it's the largest fantasy football contest of all time and it's back and it's even bigger with 15 million dollars in total prizes up for grabs including an absurd three million dollars going to the winner and look last year the winner was drafted the winner they drafted their team in july so don't wait around visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store and sign up with promo code Locked On to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code Locked On. All right, folks, let's talk about the defensive side of the football, and we'll start with a couple of guys that didn't practice on Friday night. Matt Milano, he was off, and so was Taron Johnson. So starting outside linebacker, starting slot corner, not practicing on Friday night, they sat with general soreness. And so that opened up some opportunities for some other guys to step in and play. And one of the biggest questions that I've had throughout the course of the summer is, well, if Taron Johnson gets injured, who's the guy that steps in and is that slot corner? And I I think it's pretty clear that we have that answer. It's Saran Neal. And he got all of the slot reps on Friday night, and we saw him – serve throughout the course of the week as Taron Johnson's backup. So when they went with the second team defense, it was always Saran Neal. So there's your answer. Saran Neal is your backup to Taron Johnson in the slot. Now with Matt Milano out, it opened up the opportunity for Terrell Bernard uh, to play outside linebacker next to Tyrell Dotson. So your first team linebackers with Milano out, Dotson in the middle, Terrell Bernard on the outside. And then we actually had at least one series where there was a few snaps where Dorian Williams, the Bills' rookie third-round pick out of Tulane, got first-team reps at outside linebacker. Um, And again, it was just a handful of reps, but it was a good exposure for Dorian as a rookie at the stadium, getting a chance to run with the first-team defense. Now, as far as the performance of these guys, I thought it was a really strong night for Tyrell Dotson. And the Bills' offense, like I mentioned, they worked the run game quite a bit. And I thought Tyrell Dotson really popped out there. He was a leader um, on on the field. You could tell Uh, he made a lot of good downhill run fills. He was active. You can kind of feel him playing with a lot of energy out there. And I'll tell you what, kind of watching this throughout the course of the week and knowing that this is a big position battle, I think that Tyrell Dotson is the leader in the clubhouse. And I understand it. I think he's been the best one this week. Now, obviously, there's a lot of time to go. There's preseason games to evaluate. But at this point in time, I kind of think Tyrell Dotson is the leader in the clubhouse, and I also think he should be the leader in the clubhouse. Now, I say Terrell Bernard has not looked bad. I just don't think he's popped quite as much as Tyrell Dotson has this week. Um, So 
it's interesting to see this all play out. I think one of the most fascinating dynamics of this middle linebacker competition is that the guys that are in contention for it are really different in terms of skill sets. Um, and so we'll see how this all plays out. But right now, I think the upper hand may be Tyrell Dotson. We'll talk a little bit about the defensive line. The rush group really fascinated me. They did a little two-minute drill work, which that's an opportunity for you to put kind of your best pass rushing group uh, on the field with your front four. And in that moment, kind of the NASCAR package, if you will, that group was Leonard Floyd, Ed Oliver, Greg Rousseau on the inside, and A.J. Epinesa as the other edge rusher. And so I'm guessing if Von Miller was healthy, you would swap Epinesa for Von Miller. But think about that. I mean, it's late in games. You need pressure on the quarterback, and you can put on the field Floyd, Oliver, Rousseau, and Von Miller. I mean, that's three top ten picks and Greg Rousseau, who's also a first-rounder. There's a lot of talent there to be able to rush the passer with, and that's a fun group. I really like the idea of those guys rushing together. Uh, I thought it was a really strong night for A.J. Epinesa. Two sacks. They were both clean wins over David Questenbury. And I thought A.J. Epinesa's looked good all week. I've tried to comment on that as often as I can this week, but he capped the week with a really strong showing on Friday night. I think he looks good. His body looks to be in good shape. He's playing with a lot of confidence. There's a lot of energy out there that I didn't really ever notice from Epinosa in the past, and uh, he's he's had a really strong week and had a really strong night with two sacks against the Bills' offense and beating David Questenbury both times. Also thought it was a good night for Boogie Basham. I've commented on that this week. They're deploying him in a lot of different ways. He's been really active. Good night for Shaq Lawson, who got some first-team reps, made some good plays against the run, and you know that's one of my favorite things about Shaq Lawson is just how fundamentally sound he is as a player especially as a run defender, and you saw that show up on a couple of occasions on Friday night. And so I think you can kind of read between the lines here that the defensive line really kind of won the day. You know, all these guys popped in in some ways and uh, made things difficult at times for the Bills' offensive line, especially with some of the rushing offense. I I think the short yardage stuff was, was really good from the Bills' offense, but some of the more traditional run opportunities I think the defensive line kind of consistently reset the line of scrimmage and and played good football. I'll tell you what, I think this Bills defense in general is going to put a lot of stress on opponents and, and including the, the their own team w- within these practice opportunities. And you know, we we've speculated that Sean McDermott's going to be aggressive after watching it this week. He's going to be extremely aggressive. Just a lot of activity on the line of scrimmage. There are times where he is just putting nine plus defenders right there on the line of scrimmage and guys are standing up. He's sending players. He's blitzing defensive backs like crazy. This is going to be a really, really aggressive defense. And it really kind of takes me back to those Jim Johnson defenses who, you know, we can't forget that Sean McDermott is a Jim Johnson disciple and he's known for very creative blitzes. And I think you're going to see him unleash a lot of that this year. This is not the same Bills defense as you've watched in years past. It has a very, very different look and feel. Uh, Speaking of first team, kind of going back to this defensive line, uh, it's three practices in a row that it was Greg Rousseau and Leonard Floyd running the first reps of defense with the first team. And so uh, we saw A.J. Epinesa kind of doing that earlier in the week, but that shifted more towards Leonard Floyd. Real quick on cornerback, the rotation continued between 
Kyer Elam and Dane Jackson opposite of Tredavious White. Uh, you continue to see very little Christian Benford with the first-team defense, and I honestly think just like we've looked at this middle linebacker competition between Tyrell Dotson and Terrell Bernard as a two-man race, I think that the cornerback two competition is a two-man race now between Dane Jackson and Kyer Elam. And then, of course, our uh, daily Cam Lewis segment. Uh, he had another strong practice. I thought his run fits were really physical. I liked the way that he triggered and got downhill and was willing to uh, – mix it up with these big running backs. But another note here that's important as it relates to Cam Lewis is that uh, when the Bills were practicing punt, he was the gunner with Saran Neal for the punt team. And so there is literally every imaginable indication that he's making this roster. Um, Depth at safety, depth in the slot, special teams. They re-signed him. I just – if I – if I were you and I was making a 53-man roster projection, I would make sure that Mr. Cam Lewis was part of it. All right, folks, after a very quick break, I'm going to give you those Buffalo food takes. Stick with me. I'll be right back. All right, folks, well, anytime that I spend some time in Western New York, I like to spend a little time in the podcast reflecting on some of my experiences because I enjoy being up here so much, and I like to share – Opinions. That's what I do, right? I analyze things. I share opinions. And so we'll branch away from football a little bit here and talk about some of my impressions from Western New York this weekend. And I really want to focus in on some food takes. Now, this week, I sampled a lot of different restaurants. I probably had wings. If I was here for five days, I think on four of them, I had wings twice for for, uh, lunch and dinner. And then on Friday, we only had it once. But I've eaten a lot of chicken wings this trip, and I've had a lot of chicken wings in the time that I've been coming to Buffalo over the last three years or so. And I have some hot takes that I want to deliver to you here based on my favorites. Now, look, before you get all bent out of shape, they're food takes. Everybody has different tastes. This is just the way that I see it. And so um, I'm not right or wrong, but I'm right in terms of the way that I interpret things, and I want to share some food opinions with you here. I'll start off with my strongest opinion. 911 Tavern has the best traditional Buffalo hot chicken wings that I've ever had. I think they have the best traditional Buffalo hot chicken wings that I've ever had. Now, Pat Moran had a great quote about 911 Tavern. Everything sucks except for the food, right? You get there and it's a very long wait. We walked in, there's plenty of empty tables. We walk in and and the the waitress says it's a 90 minute wait for food and almost every time in my entire life that that would be the case I would probably go eat somewhere else but we really wanted to try these wings and uh we had we had time so we we sat down and ate them and uh we waited every bit of the 90 minutes that they promised you know it's a cash only establishment wouldn't call it the cleanest place in the world really kind of weird bathrooms it's a it's a strange situation but the chicken wings are elite the best I've ever had. So the number one Buffalo hot chicken wing that I've ever had was at 911 Tavern. The blue cheese is off the charts. The presentation, they're really saucy. They're crispy. They're big chicken wings. They are awesome. My next food take for you is that the best combination of pizza and wings. So if you want pizza and wings and you want high quality of both, it's Lenovo. And I don't know what the, the word on the street is about Lenovo and what people like and don't like. But if you want pizza and wings, the spot is Lenovo. Not the stadium pizza or or the, you know, the the 
take out places around. You got to go to the the original. What is it on Ferry Street? That's the one you got to go to. Best combination of pizza and wings is Lenovo. The best combination of beef on wick and wings is Barbell. And Barbell has the best specialty wings. So I, I my preference is always traditional buffalo hot wings. But if you're looking for the specialty flavors, I don't think you're going to beat Barbell. And the way that they cook wings is exceptional. Their blue cheese is exceptional. And so is their beef on wick. So if you want beef on wick and wings, Barbell is the spot. And my last food hot take for you is that the best beef on wick is at Mitchell's. The best I've had. And so there you have it. Some buffalo food takes for you. Really, Mitchell's puts a little gravy on the beef on wick, and I was funny about that when I found out, and I just went with it, and it really works. So big fan of the beef on wick over at Mitchell's. And real quick, just to kind of reflect on the week, I had an awesome time. It was a really great week. It was kind of a rare opportunity for me. I got to spend the entire week with my younger brother, David. Uh, He lives overseas, and him and his family are in, uh, I guess, in they're in the country visiting. And so, um, you know, he's not here often, but we were able to kind of both of us pull away. And my brother has a wife and a young son. And of course, I have a wife and a young daughter and we left them behind and we spent uh, the week um, having a great time. We drove up together and spent really the entire week together doing all these things, going to practices, um, enjoying all of this food, uh, spending time with family. And so it was a really awesome time that um, you, you just, you never know when you're going to have these types of opportunities. And it means a lot that we were able to do that. Um, obviously had a great time being around the Buffalo bills and that's going to give me a lot of great foundational knowledge, uh, to calibrate my expectations for players and personnel and what this football team is going to look like an invaluable opportunity for me to spend time around the football team. Really enjoyed, uh, heading out to Imperial pizza with Pat Moran for the live show on Thursday night. Several people were there and, uh, came by and, said hello. We took pictures. Some people got some books, uh, but it was just really fun to interact and and chat with uh, listeners of the podcast. Uh, and that happened throughout the week. Yeah, I've ran into people throughout town and uh, always have great interactions with you guys. And you're always so kind and um, really appreciate any time I get a chance to meet a listener uh, to the podcast. And uh, so thankful that you guys are supportive and, and so much so that you'll even say hello to me on the street. So that's, that's really, really cool. We played a little golf, not my best rounds of golf I'll, I'll say, but uh, it's good to get outside and hit the ball around and uh, had a good time. And you know, one thing that I always, I always leave with the impression whenever I leave Western New York, which is going to happen in the morning and back to Charlotte is I'm always so impressed with the sense of community that exists here in this region. You know, I live in Charlotte, things are kind of spread out. Um, but and there's, there's Southern hospitality. That's a real thing. But there's nothing quite like the community dynamic that exists out here and how everyone's tight-knit. Everybody kind of knows people. And if you don't know people, you, there's some type of connection. And I just – the interactions that I hear from people. I, I, was, I, was, at, um, I was at training camp, and there's a, there's a group in front of me, and this, this lady walks up. And this, this lady w- was inter- being introduced to these people for the first time. And somehow they, they found all these different connections that existed. And I think that was just kind of a microcosm of so much of what I see. I love how tight knit it is um, in, this, in this region. And it, it's, it's really cool. There's such a sense of pride. And um, they don't call it the city of good neighbors for no reason. And I, I, I love it. I love, being, I love being around this place. And uh, everyone's always so kind and welcoming. And it's such a great sense of community and really unique and special place 
uh, for me, but also just in general. I think it's a unique and special place in terms of comparing it to anywhere that I've ever visited. And so can't wait to uh, to get back up here real soon. I'll definitely be at at least one home game this year, if not more. So as those details get finalized, I'll be sure to share them with you. But once again, a great week here in Western New York. All right, folks. Well, heading back home uh, tomorrow, long drive back to Charlotte. Um, excited to get back and, and see my wife and daughter and all that type of stuff. But I will miss the region. I'll tell you what, uh, I do appreciate you for listening to this podcast. I'll be back again for you on Monday. The Bills are off on Saturday. They practice on Sunday. And so we'll recap the big storylines that are coming out. We've got a bunch of fun stuff planned for you next week on the podcast. So don't miss anything. Make sure that you take a second to subscribe, share the podcast. If you like what's going on here, tell somebody about it. Share it on, share it on social media. That's so helpful. If you're watching on YouTube, like the video, leave a comment. That stuff is so, so appreciated. All right, folks, have a great day. Go Bills, and I look forward to catching up with you again on Monday.